And I think if people are honest when it comes to say their quiet times, often, you know, we sit there, we're half awake, we've got our cup of coffee, we're under a blanket. Yes, we read the chapter, maybe in our devotional, we read a chapter of the Bible. But 10 minutes later, if somebody came to us and said, tell me one thing that you just read, we might not even know what book of the Bible we were in. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Hymn Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Monet Funka. And I'm Cara Peregrino. And this week we're talking to special guest Joe Barnard, author of Hymn Workouts. We'll be discussing his book, One Hymn Subject You've Probably Never Sung About, and How to Diagnose a Stagnating Faith. But first, you know what I'm about to say. Come join the Hymn Partial family at hymnpartial.com. There you can support us on Ko-fi, follow us on social media, and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Newsletter subscribers get first dibs to our bonus content. This week, our guest tells us how to read more reflectively, and you might be surprised at his advice. Make sure you go over to himpartial.com and sign up today. Yeah, it was a really great um, interview. Joe sent us a copy of his book, which we were able to read through part of it and a a couple of the devotionals. And we do really recommend it. We'll have links to um, his book in the description. We'll also have a link to like the 40 day devotional that you can get over email. um, So you guys can check that out. I have to say though, my favorite part was actually the bonus content, which if you're not subscribed to the newsletter, you're gonna have to wait for. Mm. Um, Because we talk a bit about like, if you aren't great at reading, don't have time for reading, you know, what's a good way to get started? And because I went to public school for my UK friends, that's government run school. Mm. Um, because I went to like a government run school, uh, a lot of my time reading there was just kind of like, just get through it so that yeah. I don't have to read it anymore. Memorize it for the test. kind of. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, and so his like, his advice on how to learn to read better so that you actually take stuff in. Uh, was really, really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I think you guys will really enjoy the interview. You might be like, him workouts, that sounds weird, but give it a chance because it's actually really, really helpful. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the kind of hit metaphor that he Mm -hmm. uses. And for you guys who are fitness buffs, you know what we mean when we say hit. Um, I think the way he applies its devotional life was really, really useful. And I think you guys will be really encouraged by it. But um, we won't waffle on for too long. I'll read his bio and then we'll jump straight into the interview. So Joe Barnard is the pastor of Holyrood Evangelical Church in Edinburgh and the executive director of Cross Training Ministries, a discipleship ministry focused on training men in spiritual fitness. Although originally from Louisiana, Joe has spent most of the last 15 years in Scotland pastoring churches in both rural and urban settings. He's married to Anna, and they have four children. His books include The Way Forward, A Roadmap of Spiritual Growth for Men in the 21st Century, Surviving the Trenches, Killing Sin Before Sin Kills You, and the book we'll be discussing today, Him Workouts, 100 Spiritual Exercises to Set Your Heart Ablaze. Joe Barnard, welcome to the show. It's great to be with you all. So um, you're the author of Hymn Workouts, 100 Exercises to Set Your Heart Ablaze. Can you tell us about your book and what led you to write it? So it's a book of hymn uh, workouts, which uh, is a strange combination. It's kind of a weird concept. Ruth, um, 
when we think of hymns, we think of things that are meant to be sung. And it may be strange to take the idea of an exercise and connect that with a hymn. But this is really the devotional exercises. And as the subtitle suggests, it's meant to be something that can really set a heart ablaze. I think all of us are real familiar with uh, feeling like just our emotions, our affections, you know, it's, we got the embers, but we'd love to see them kindled in, in that flame again. And I'm a firm believer that um, if you set your mind on, on truths that are really uh, profound and beautiful and glorious that can affect the heart. So, so really the idea of the book, it came out of, um, I, I lead a men's discipleship ministry. And uh, one of the problems that, that I often encounter, and it's not exclusive to men, it's just part of the modern world is we all know we're distracted. Uh, we're pretty aware that the biggest companies of the world are trying to get our attention. So we know we're distracted, but the problem is we don't really know uh, what we're meant to set our mind on, which we'd be attracted to. Where should our attention be going? And so the book was really a set of exercises to help Christians find the most fundamental content, the stuff that when Paul says, set your mind on things above, this is the stuff he's talking about. Mm -hmm. And to give Christians some simple exercises that they can use uh, that will not just help them you know, avoid distraction, but actually learn how to focus their attention and then have all the benefits that come from meditating on gospel truths. And I think just the other piece of all of this is, um, you know, when you start reading old books on spirituality, what you find is all these old Puritans and uh, even before the Puritans, people talking about if you really want to see transformation, it's not the person who reads the most. Um, it's the person who meditates the most mm -hmm. that really has the most profound benefit. And that's something that I think as modern Christians, uh, it all sounds a little bit strange, maybe it's a little bit Eastern. We're not quite sure how to do this uh, spiritual <laughs> meditation in a Christian context. Yeah. And so the, the book's meant to help with that. That is true. I guess you think when you think meditation, you think like Buddhist or Sing under tree with yeah, your legs crossed. Yeah. But it is a commandment. Like we're, you know, scripture's yeah. clear like do this. Um I I found this to be true though what you say about um he who reads the most is not the one who takes in the most basically because I studied theology in the Highlands and you got people who could just they could eat books mm -hmm. they could get through so much and then you'd be you'd ask them okay so what was that about and they'd be like um yeah <laughs> they kind of give you like a really vague answer and you're kind of like well you can read a lot but you clearly don't take in a lot mm-hmm yeah. And I think the, the the beauty of hymns is they distill thought. So, mm -hmm. you know, some people are readers. They'll pick up a book of 300 pages and they'll go through it. That's the minority uh, in mm -hmm. terms of Christians. Most of us struggle to read. But you can take a hymn and truth be told, in five or six stanzas, it might condense the most profound truth. The stuff that you just, just like if you visit a national park or, you know, a famous museum, the stuff you can't miss. You got to go see the Mona mm -hmm. Lisa at the Louvre that, you know, they take those kind of truths and they set them before you. So not, I mean, I don't want to help anybody cheat or take a shortcut, <laughs> but for those that struggle with time, you know, you can sit with one hymn, say on the resurrection. And it's amazing how much you could really learn just by five or six stanzas. If you actually sat there and digested, you know, the images and the truth that's within one of these hymns. Mm -hmm. It's true. So this is kind of a related question. Um, but what is hit? <laughs> Uh, for those of us who are maybe not fitness 
buffs, possibly couch potatoes. <laughs> and uh, why have you applied such of a, a vigorous exercise model to a devotional book rather than more of the kind of like, you know, like you see on the shelves, like five minutes with Jesus while you do your nails or coffee with Christ and things like that. Like why this kind of really intense workout idea? Yeah, if, if you take up the book, you'll see the, the, the sort of the entry part that this idea of a HIT workout, which is a high intensity interval training workout. They've been really popular maybe for the last 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, the idea of a HIT workout is that you can often get more out of 15 minutes even when you really exert yourself than you might get out of 30 or 45 minutes if you're moving at a pace that's relaxed and, and, and comfortable. And uh, I think when it comes to our devotional lives, if we're honest, what we often do is we find what's comfortable and we sit there. Mm-hmm. And if you can if you can take that image of going to the gym, and not everybody goes to the gym, but everybody knows enough to be able to imagine this. If you go to the gym, it's a wonderful thing to get there. Like that is a huge start. But if you actually just say, go to some machines and just do what's comfortable, you're, you may not really get much of a benefit at all. Uh, by having actually gone and, you know, visiting the gym. And I think if people are honest when it comes to, say, their quiet times, often, you know, we sit there, we're half awake, we've got our cup of coffee, we're under a blanket. Yes, we read the chapter, maybe in our devotional, we read a chapter of the Bible. But 10 minutes later, if somebody came to us and said, tell me one thing that you just read, we might not even know what book of the Bible we were in. And if you ask yourself, well, what's the problem there? I think one aspect, it's not the only problem, but one aspect is there is something of exertion that's required. Uh, Just like it is in the gym, if you really want to learn or if you really want to engage with truth, then you've got to think about, well, your attention. You know, we all know you can scan the lines on a page without actually paying any attention to what you're looking at. Um, You can read through a psalm that has really powerful, potent metaphors but not pause and let your imagination take up a single one and uh, really dwell upon it. Um, you can, that whole, you think of Deuteronomy, how often remember, remember, you know, call to mind uh, the things that you've seen God do. We can read those passages without recollecting anything. Mm-hmm. And so I don't at all want to tell people that uh, that our devotional lives should be hard and we should be sweating. And, you know, it's a matter of how much effort you put in that determines if you're going to grow But if you're thinking about modern people and our struggles and why we're getting so little for the time we put into our devotionals, I think thinking about it a little bit more like a workout and a little bit less like just uh, watching TV, you know, on the couch Mm -hmm. might be useful for some of us. And that's where this book, I think, is a little bit different than some of the devotions that you'll find, you know, on most of the shelves. I think you're right, because a lot of. I'm going to sound like an old lady, but so much of our culture is really passive now. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like you're just consuming Mm -hmm. um, content that's produced for you and not viewing the Bible like that may actually do us some good. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think there's something people talk about the fallacy of learning. And I think a great example is like if you take up an editorial, say in a newspaper and you read it and it's really compelling and it's really insightful. But then you step away and if someone asks you, well, tell me about that issue you're reading about. And again, you were able to follow the argument, but you didn't retain anything. You don't really, mm-hmm. you're not able to engage differently on the matter. And, uh, you know, when it comes again to say even a book of theology, you can read John Stott's book on the cross, like you described in a theology college, 
feel really good because it's on your shelf and you you turned every page <laughs> and even looked at every word. Mm-hmm. But if somebody asked you, you know, explain to me, why is the cross so you know incredible? How does it, how should it transform um, our lives? You might not be able to really extract anything from that. Mm-hmm. And so this is again, where let's, let's do less. Let's just focus on a few stanzas, but really engage it in such a way that you can walk away and for the first time, maybe think, I understand something about the high priesthood of Jesus. And all of these hymns, they're not just theoretical, they're practical. They take the truth, they apply it into real life context. And so now I know today I can walk out into the world and I know what it's like to have a high priest in heaven. And that's going to change how I engage temptation and a host of other things. And I think that's what that, I want to see people experience that kind of uh, mm-hmm. impact of truth. Yeah, and at the risk of stretching the metaphor to the point of breaking. I know with hit hit exercise, it's usually meant to help you burn calories throughout the day, like the way you, you know, yeah. go through your circuits or whatever is supposed to help you. And I think if you're very intentionally engaging with gospel truths or biblical truths, then that short meditation at the beginning or the end of the day, whenever you do your devotionals, middle of the day, will kind of stick with you throughout the day as opposed to just being like I've read what this person had to say and cool bye you know mm-hmm. um so it's obviously a challenge for any type of devotional no matter whether you know it's um reflecting on or meditating on these hymns or if you're studying through or slowly making your way through a book of scripture mm-hmm. to have that intensity um, that meditative intensity, I'm just making up words, then that actually is going to benefit you throughout the day as you've spent that targeted time reflecting on who God is. This is actually a struggle that I have with devotionals, especially as a woman. Women's devotionals are terrible. Like I'll happily say that on record. (laughs) But the thing is like, I don't have a lot of time or I didn't Mm -hmm. for a long time and I was very tired. Mm -hmm. And so there was like a window of concentration. And if I wanted the depth that I needed, then it was too long to be able to get a lot out of it. But if I wanted the length I could concentrate on, it was kind of just fluff. Yeah. yeah so not always like there are obviously exceptions but yeah what you're saying about the intensity within the the shorter section is is definitely something we need sometimes so how did you decide on which topics to cover and and how to order them you know the uh the book attempts to be fairly comprehensive um there, there are there are so many gaps i think of uh, our devotional life so i I don't want to, I mean, we all want to sit at the cross every single day. Uh, it's mm-hmm. fundamental, but we're comfortable there. We don't think as often say about the resurrection or the ascension. Mm-hmm. We don't know about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We don't know about um, maybe the internal motivation that produces character. And so the book, it's meant over a hundred hymns. You know, it starts with holiness. Who is God? It moves into the gospel. But the gospel, you know, all the way from the beginning, the Father's love through the life of Christ and Him's taking you up to the final day of judgment and the and the you know the new creation. You know, it then moves into communion with God. What is it like to relate with God as Father, to know Him as Son, to know Him as to know the Holy Spirit, um, to be in communion with one another? It moves into uh, motivation, character, and finally into spiritual disciplines, and finally into uh, some of the hard trials in life. And so, again, the idea is to help equip Christians for the full variety of uh, situations, needs within the Christian life. 
And uh, the reason these hymns have been selected, I would say uh, at least 60% will probably be unknown to people, mm-hmm. even people who like old hymns. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily ones that all of which I'd say we should be recovering for, for worship. They're all focused. And hymns can be real diffuse. They can try to cover a whole lot. One moment mm-hmm. you can be singing about the cross and then you're dying, you know, in your deathbed mm-hmm. and, you know, all kinds of things are happening in between. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These are hymns that they focus in on a specific truth or application of truth. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have some kind of punchline, uh, just like a joke kind of catches you by surprise at the end. They do something similar, only it's not funny. They'll maybe take an image or there's a line that all of a sudden, it, you know, you just catch sight of something that's really brilliant. Mm -hmm. And so it may not be that the whole hymn is particularly amazing. It may just be that one stanza has one truth that's put in such a way that it's like, again, it's like a national park. You got to sit at a bench and you got to see, you know, the mountain from this angle, Mm -hmm. because if you look at it, it's going to do something to your heart. Mm -hmm. That's a really good way of describing it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I really like that because I was, um, I was looking through the different hymns and I was seeing a lot that I didn't know. Not that I know a lot to begin with, but like there was quite a lot that were unfamiliar. And so knowing that you pick them specifically because they focus in, that's, that's really helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, in the book, you do mention that modern praise music has quite a narrow scope, not in the same ways as the hymns you've picked. Um, so but in terms of subject matter. So what's one subject that you would love to see the church sing about more and what's a good hymn or a song to start us off in that kind of? You know, uh, so one of the things that I have fun doing with the, these these hymn workouts is using for small group study. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'll get a group of people and uh, give them 10 minutes with a pencil, you know, print out a copy of the hymn, and everybody has 10 minutes, you know, they actually think, engage it, look up some Bible verses, and then we have a conversation on the back end. And uh, just earlier today, um, I was doing that with a group. And, you know, we started with Acts 1, and that moment where the, the disciples, they see Jesus ascend, and then he's covered by the cloud. And I think often that's how we feel with the ascended Christ. Um, we know he died, we know he was here, but uh, when Paul says, you know, to set your mind on things above where Christ is at the right hand, if we try to think of the ascended Christ, it's almost like trying to look at the sun. It, it's too bright. Like there's nothing for the mind to grab hold of. Mm. And so we were looking at an old hymn by Isaac Watts. But, but what's great about it is it's like, well, what would it be like to be on the other side of that cloud? Mm. What would it be like to see the glory of Jesus as he is in heaven? Mm. And how might that affect you? And so I think, you know, there are some good hymns that talk about the ascension. But if we're honest, a lot of Christians don't think much about the ascension. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a huge part of the, the present lordship, kingship of Christ. And so this is just an old hymn. It starts out, Oh, lights, the heavenly joys, the glories of the place where Jesus sheds the brightest beams of his overflowing grace. And so it's an old hymn talking about the ascension at first you've just got the big view everything's falling down face first you know at the glory of jesus but what's great is it then zooms in and it zooms in specifically to the feet and to the head of this glorious lord mm-hmm. and uh i'm just going to read a couple of lines but it says those soft those blessed feet of his that once rude iron tore high on a throne of light they stand and all the saints adore 
And that picture that he's still embodied, he's glorified and his scars, you can see the emblems of his love in his mm-hmm. feet and everybody's looking up and adoring. So I think you know, to recover that ability to really imaginatively situate ourselves in the glory of Christ, to recognize his lordship, that changes your attitude here on earth when you really have such a king that you're living in communion with, who's you know helping you with your need. So I would say the ascension, and we could talk about other ones, but that would just be a a pretty basic area where I think a lot of Christians could be encouraged. I had a a friend who was an ex-Catholic, and uh, she used to say that she always found it very disappointing how Protestants celebrated Easter, and particularly the fact that they ignored the ascension completely. Um, Because she'd always, she'd come into church and she'd be like, it's Ascension Sunday. And everybody would be like, okay. And she'd be like, why don't you guys celebrate this? It's important. (laughs) And it is because, you know, it's part of the, part of what Christ did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Now that you mention it, I can't think of any hymns that are familiar that speak to that. Um, so yeah, that's actually a really good point. We, we always find the gaps by accident on this show. I think we talked about for a while, we I was like, we don't really talk about Christ's return yeah. outside of like, you know, maybe a line in a hymn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's obviously like our sure hope, like we're, it's a great hope for the future. Yep. And we're kind of just like, yeah. And then Jesus comes back, end of song. Uh, but it's obviously like a huge part of our, of our faith and our hope. So that's a really good point that you mentioned there. Um, I have to say, I mean, we've, we've kind of reviewed a chunk of the book. We haven't gone through the whole thing, but, but we do think it, it is a, 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 a great little book. And, um, and for those listening, you should definitely check it out. Uh, but we want to ask as a pastor, what are some other ways you suggest to help revive a faith that feels like it's kind of ground to a halt or is a bit stale? Mm. What, 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 what would be your advice for us and for our listeners? Now, I often think of, uh, you know, first just to diagnose the issue. I think often in churches, we're, we're full of solutions without ever a- actually having really figured out what the problem is, mm-hmm. or we think there's one problem and uh, we have kind of one thing that we give everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a little bit simplistic, but I, I think, you know, often I tell people about, you know, captivation, camaraderie, uh, and, and competence. Um, I think these are three things that uh, can be really significant. Sometimes Christians are discouraged because they're being told to do things they don't know how to do. It's a competence mm-hmm. issue. Um, you know, so you're supposed to be praying. You're supposed to be reading your Bible. You open it up. You don't know again. You don't know how to understand it. Um, mm-hmm. So sometimes there's something, if someone sits sits with you and teaches you how to do something, you feel a lot more freed up to do it. Mm-hmm. Other times, I think the whole camaraderie issue. Um, I know we've already talked about workouts, but we'll just go back there one more time. Um, it's, it's it's really hard to motivate yourself when you're by yourself to do mm-hmm. something. Um, and and that's true with spiritual disciplines as well. It's a lot more energizing to do something with spiritual friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think in the modern world, we all, we got lots of connections. We know this, but we don't have spiritual friends. And so mm-hmm. to do the things you wanna do, find a group of people that will help you do those things and do them together. Yeah. Uh, it adds a whole dimension, even of fun or even, you know, of a joy to it. But then that captivation element, uh, there, there's nothing to replace a heart that's really just gripped, you know, by by a surpassing desire for something. And I think part of the purpose of this book, there's a drip feed between attention and affection where you set your mind, not immediately, but eventually governs your heart. 
And part of our difficulty, I mean, we going back to all the corporations that are pulling our attention toward their content, the ultimate problem is that means that at the end of the day, they've got the lever for our heart. Mm. And so if you want to begin to shift the weight of that love, you begin to pay attention to things that are really worthy of your mind. Mm. And that's where something like him workouts, as bizarre as the idea is, I think you put your mind on the incarnation. Just when I survey, let's go to the cross. I mean, that hymn alone, if that one hymn, if you ever really, really, really understood the message of the old hymn, when I survey, I mean, it just releases a flood of passion that that will direct itself um, in, in action. So I would say captivation, camaraderie, competence, think of these things. And according to what you think your problem might be, you know, look to the solution there. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great, that's a, that's great um you know, direction and advice, I think, from your very obvious pastoral heart in writing this book and what you shared with us today. So that's just really, really encouraging. Um, Before we go, can you let us know where people can find you if they want to buy the book or just follow what you're doing? Are you on social media? What's the best place to find you? Yeah. Uh, so uh, the book's available, um, Amazon, uh, any of your main outlets. Um, I lead a discipleship ministry, cross training ministries. Um, it, it, it's focused on men. Um, but, but not really in terms of the content is just Christian content. Um, I'm focused on men just because guys need help. I mean, honestly, we just, we just struggle. Um, so, uh, th- there's resources. You can find us on social media. You can find us on, um, uh, we got, we got various websites, and also, I'm a pastor in Edinburgh, so um, Holly, Holly Rood Evangelical Church. So you can check out um, content there as well. Well, Joe, thank you so much. We are so excited for our listeners to hear this episode. And um, until next time, we pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you. Bye. Thank you.